you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. That's right. Welcome to The Press Zone. Thanks so much for joining us on this beautiful day at the end of August. Believe it or not, this will be the last show in the month of August. Where did the summer go? Uh, We appreciate you being here today. I am your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host, the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief across all of our brands. And that would be Rick Stevens. How are you today? Well, congratulations. Oh, are you talking to me this week? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did last week after a begrudgingly. Moment. Yeah, begrudgingly is a good word. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, your Flyers mm-hmm. beat uh, our Canadians, and uh, mm-hmm. in this, in this, you know, we have two headquarters for for uh, Rocket Sports. Uh, one in Canada, one in the U.S. We cover the Flyers and the Canadians, and mm-hmm. uh, this time the Flyers prevailed. Mm, this time, if I remember correctly, they also won the last time in the playoffs, and the time before that. <laughs> um, so, um, listen, wanna... I don't want to get into counting cups. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> yeah, you know those cups. Before the Flyers were around, so, you know, some of them. 93? They were before 93? Not that one. <laughs> I see. We have, a, we have a couple, too. Literally, uh-huh. two. <laughs> but anyway, yes, the Flyers have, avan- have, have advanced to round two. Um, they've played one game. They have back-to-back games now tomorrow afternoon how's the game last night thursday evening we're going to talk about that here in a little bit um and uh that's all i'm gonna say about (laughs) that (laughs) um yeah thank you um the the you know well we're gonna get into the whole series uh both from a canadian's perspective and a flyer's perspective here soon but uh Needless to say, you know, it's it's always a challenge for the designated Flyers beat reporter for Rocket Sports, who also does cover the Canadians. It's I never like when these two teams play each other just in a regular season game, much less a postseason series. So I, for one, am happy that the series is over. Um, Did the Rocket Sports team, um, all the writers, contributors, didn't editors, didn't they treat you well in our in our little? Slack group, and we we get together and talk about uh, the games and and have a little bit of a pregame ritual and and all of that. Didn't they, they all did. treat you well? Hey, they absolutely did. We all, you know, it's we have very civil debates. Um, I thought it was funny that that except for Joseph, Joseph's just a big trash talker. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought it was funny that that some of them would would get into a rant, get into an anti flyers rant, and then said. Oh, sorry, sorry, Amy. No, no offense. <laughs> oh well, the, um, there was one incident, one of the Elaine Vigneault incidents during the series where. Well, he painted ro- himself as a villain for sure. And good coaching in the playoffs, um, good gamesmanship, and and um, I think it was Kate was was having a rant, a, a duel, a, a duely an inapt rant one that she was completely entitled to and i just with a with a kind of a wink in my voice i just typed i think i'll just sit this conversation <laughs> out <laughs> um but and that, she was very apologetic and and, yeah. and then i said you don't need to apologize i'm just yeah. teasing you you know and 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 she said i'm actually i'd actually like to hear your take on this and so then all of us i think there were three four five of us that all then just had a conversation about it in our in our slack group so um you know, we, for those of you who follow us on Twitter as well, you know, it's, yes, the fan bases get very passionate about their teams and very passionate about slinging vitriol at the other fan base. Um, but the Rocket Sports team, for the most part, we're here to kind of bridge that gap, uh, not only between uh, fan bases that are facing off against each other in a playoff series, but just bridging fan bases all over the league um, so that, you know, when when two teams play against each other, you don't have to be rude to one another. You can <laughs> agree to disagree and and politely debate some things, and and that's what uh, we do here on the team. And um, and I think our followers um, handled that pretty well. You know, there wasn't there there was ribbing, of course, going on on social media with with our followers, but uh, it it didn't get out of hand. Now, you, you mentioned this competitive uh, spirit with uh, the aforementioned Joseph Whalen. Was there any betting involved? Um, should I expect to see a photo of uh, Joseph in a Flyers jersey or uh, painted his face or does he have to change his avatar? Is anything happening? Why are you giving me these ideas now? Damn. This was a missed opportunity. <laughs> okay, well, Joseph, you're on warning that next season there's going to be some wagering. So start ponying up. Start thinking about it now, my friend. We're, that's a fabulous idea. I noticed our friend uh, Jessica on Twitter had lost a bet, and she had to change her avatar to her wearing a Flyers, uh. Flyers jersey for 24 hours. She wasn't too happy about it. So we are going to uh, talk about that series today. We've got a great show again today. You know, last week, I, I've... I've um casually named this now Alumni August because we've had a string of fantastic guests uh, who are all former uh, NHLers this month. Uh, You know, we had Mike Weaver on earlier in the month. Uh, We had Danny Breer on last week, which was a tremendous interview. Uh, And this week we have another very special guest. Brian Propp is going to be joining us uh, here in a little while on the show. Spent plenty of years in the NHL, went to the Stanley Cup final five times, uh, played in the 87 Canada Cup uh, with Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and and Dale Howarchuk, among many other names. Um, So we're going to have a great conversation with Brian Propp, not only about his time as a flyer um, and and what he took out of this last series that the Flyers just played, but but moreover, we're going to talk to... Uh, Gaffaw, as he 
likes to call himself. Uh, we're going to talk to him also just about some of those historical moments like the Canada Cup and, and some of the initiatives that, that he's involved with now and, uh, and, and things like that. So it's uh, in, including uh, the name Scott Millenby gets thrown in there. So there's something for everybody in there. It's going to be a great, great interview coming up here in a bit. Before we get there, however, we're in our first segment, we're going to cover the Montreal Canadiens. And so we're going to do uh, a little bit of just a, a quick review on how the series ended for the Canadiens. Um, and basically, you know, what's next? What what does now that it's the officially the offseason for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, what can we be expecting? And uh, part of that question is answered by the fact that there's already trade rumors swirling. There's controversy happening with a, a number of the players already. I mean, not all the players are even home uh, yet, and and there's already controversy happening. So we're going to talk about all of that in the first segment. Then in the second segment, we're going to switch gears to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, talk a little bit about um, the ending of the series for them. And yes, we're going to visit last night's uh, game one of the second round, which is now against the New York Islanders. And the complete basic disaster, <laughs> almost complete disaster that that game was, uh, and what the Flyers need to focus on to uh, to gain an edge in this series going forward. And then, of course, yes, we are going to be inviting our special guest Brian Propp onto the show. That's an interview you will not want to miss, uh, no matter what team you're a fan of. And then in our final segment, we're just going to kind of have a catch-all on hockey news there. We've got some AHL news that we want to cover Um Believe it or not, you know, even though things are very up in the air for the AHL next year, uh, there is still planning that's going on. And and two teams that needed to replace a head coach uh, he that had head coaching vacancies have already filled those vacancies. That's the Ontario Reign and the Rochester Americans. So we're just going to briefly introduce you to, to who those two new head coaches are. Uh, we also have some news on one of the Philadelphia Flyers prospects and and uh, some some news about that. Uh, Zach Fucali is in our news lineup again. I wonder what that is all about. We'll be sure to tell you about that. And of course, we have uh, every week a feel-good finale. And this is one you're really not going to want to miss. That's a very full agenda. And so we better get underway. Uh, this uh, I think people are starting to get used to this hockey in August kind of thing. I think they're getting very used to it. In fact, I saw people complaining today that um, on Twitter that... Where's hockey in the afternoon? Exactly. Everyone's like, well, the NHL went ahead and got us all used to having hockey at lunchtime yeah. and in the afternoon, and then they just take it away from us. I mean, come on now. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's it's been... it's. In, I like having it on late at night, you know, the the Western Conference games and whatnot. It's It's been good. Mm -hmm. So... But not so good for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, to, to, oh, I was about to say to be fair, and I can't say that now because anybody that watches Letterkenny knows that the phrase to be fair has forever been <laughs> ruined for, for anyone who watches the show Letterkenny. Um, but to be fair to the Canadians, it wasn't all bad. Um, there were positive things for... Um, some of the young players, Nick Suzuki, Yasperi Kakanyemi, um, Shea Weber and Carey Price, you know, people like to talk about, uh, that Carey Price gets paid too much, that his contract is too big. 
and that he's not the same goaltender he used to be. Well, Carey Price showed everyone in these playoffs that he's earning as exactly as much as he should be, uh, because without Carey Price, a double uh, it. Yeah, they would have D- double it. Double, D- double it, uh, because the only reason the Montreal Canadiens got to the playoffs was Carey Price. That's right. Well, and and as and managed to get to a game six in in the first round. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, but I mean, um, the, the only reason they, they got from the qualifying to, mm-hmm. he, he single-handedly beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's what Pittsburgh was worried about. Uh, and it it it, uh, it came to pass. Carey Price delivered that. Um, uh, you know, otherwise we'd be talking still about this miserable uh, 24th place finish. Um, and, but... Mark Bergevin was able to say, my team made the playoffs. And that was only due to Carey Price. Uh, now, uh, once in uh, against the Flyers, again, Carey Price was superb every game. Um, had, a, had a bit of help. And, and as you said, um, with Shea Weber, with um, Ben Sherratt, with uh, Nick Suzuki, with Arturi Lekkonen, with uh, Jesperi Kakinami, all contributing. And uh, it... it um, they were able to take some good out of it. They were able to milk some some good. Uh, is it better for the organization uh, than getting a, a the first round overall pick? Of course not. That's that's silly. That's that's that would have been um, you know uh, a huge change uh, in fortunes. But there was still some some benefit uh, to the Canadians uh, moving on and giving some experience to their young players. One of the things that Mark Bergevin went ahead and had his uh, end-of-season press conference the day after uh, the Canadians were eliminated from the playoffs, and the one thing he said in that media conference that I actually very, very much agreed with and I very much liked and appreciated that he said was he gave, he, he literally said that he lays all of the credit for Jesperi Kakinyemi's success in this in this return to play at the feet of Jesperi Kakinyemi. He said it wasn't about a conversation that Mark Bergevin had with him. It wasn't about Claude Julien. It wasn't about Joel Bouchard. It was all about Kakinyemi understanding what he needed to do and spending that time in the pause working on himself physically and mentally to come back the way that he did. And I appreciated that Bergevin gave that credit to Kakinyemi. And let's not forget, once um, the, 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 the instant that Jesperi Kakinyemi was sent to Lavelle, um, it, he w- he almost dropped off the radar of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we we remember the story that he went in, he found out he 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 went into practice um, and uh, went into the Bell Center. Was told uh, that he'd be going to Lavelle. He and his dad found uh, outdoor ice time uh, so they could get a skate in. He wasn't even allowed to skate with the team. Um, that was that was on him. Um, we heard, uh, you know, uh, during the pandemic when, when, um, uh, Mark Bergevin came, spoke to the media and, and he was asked, um, you know, can you give us an update on the, the, uh, well, let me go one back. 
Um, remember all the secrecy about what kind of injury it was, how severe the injury was, what treatment he had received. It was all very secretive, and and it was Jesperi Kotkaniemi himself that uh, revealed what kind of injury it was. And then, uh, as I was about to say, during the pandemic, um, that uh, Mark Bergevin was asked for an update, and he said, "I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't been in touch with him." Uh, so yes. Kakinyemi was on his own completely, and all of the uh, um, changes, the 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 night and day changes from uh, March to um, July and August uh, that you saw were all because Kakinyemi did the work um, while he was away from the team. Uh, another young prospect that did eventually get some ice time towards the end of the series was Jake Evans. And while he didn't make a big splash as as much as Kakinemi and, and Suzuki did, um, Rick Evans, in, in the small amount that he, of ice time that he got, he he did find ways to to make some positive impacts. Jake Evans, uh, the the what what um, he showed is that he belonged. Mm-hmm. He belonged, and he he didn't look out of place. Um, you know he would he would play five minutes he would play seven minutes, um, and but he would um, uh, look like he belonged. He would um, he he would have a number of hits over that time. He would uh, create turnovers. He was uh, uh, trusted in the faceoff circle, and there was a difference there between Claude Julien and Kirk Muller. You saw. Uh, that Jake Evans went in in situations for defensive zone faceoffs on his strong side and took the faceoff instead of Philip Deneau when both were on the ice. Uh, that's something that happens under Kirk Muller. It doesn't happen under Claude Julien. Which is one more point that we should make. Um, Kirk Muller was thrown into the head coaching position, obviously, um, quite unexpectedly. Uh, we are... Glad to hear that Claude Julien does seem to be recuperating and recovering uh, well. Bergevin stated in that end-of-season press conference that uh, Julian had been able to get out for for a few walks, so it sounds like physically he's he is recuperating. Um, but Muller had to step in at a moment's notice in a playoff run. Um, that's a ta- that's 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 a. Talk about instant stress uh, and needing to perform. Um, Kirk Muller did not just a, a, a good job behind the bench. He did a commendable job manning things behind the bench. He constantly referred to the fact that all the coaches would meet. They spoke with Claude Julian quite often. They had a plan going into things. Kirk Muller executed the plan. But Rick, the big difference as you just pointed out, uh, and Kirk Muller said this many times uh, when asked, yes, they played to a plan, which Claude Julian was 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 part of that plan over the phone and so forth, but it was the in-game decisions that Muller was making behind the bench that really made a difference. Sure, and, and he actually made some uh, just prior, last minute prior to uh, 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 game uh, decisions as well in the lineup. And he said it was based on his gut. I, I think we saw him injecting emotion, passion, ins- and ensuring that his team was focused uh, and intense uh, and and playing a little bit differently. We saw him the way he managed lines. He um, didn't necessarily, um, he wasn't looking at the, the name on the back of the jersey. He was looking at the people who were uh, going at the time 
Um, and so we saw uh, something quite different. We even saw him, um, you know, uh, with Brendan Gallagher hadn't hadn't been uh, much of a factor uh, in the Pittsburgh series and not again in the Philadelphia series. Uh, so Brendan Gallagher sat on the bench. Uh, and uh, next game came out uh, like a house on fire. Um, so he, he uh, Kirk Muller, um, you know, found the be- found the way to get the best out of his players. Um, and uh, you know, it, what's odd to me is uh, where was Mark Bergevin in his end of season thanking Kirk Muller, praising him for the excellent job he did in difficult cir- circumstances? Um, that was that was oddly missing. I thought. And not for Carey Price. Carey Price was asked about it, and Carey Price didn't miss a beat. He emphatically uh, endorsed the job performance of Kirk Muller as head coach, said that, you know, it's not easy to just get tossed into a job like that and that and that he's doing an exceptional job behind the bench. So um, players obviously felt that Muller was uh, motivating them and inspiring them and, and doing uh, very good work behind the bench in in Claude Julian's stead. Um, you know, Bergevin tossed a couple of subtle or not so subtle uh, <laughs> Molotov cocktails uh, in that end of season press conference. You know, one was the the not so subtle reference to the fact that they're going to make looking for a backup for Carey Price a priority in the off season. So I guess we know what message that sends to Charlie Lindgren. Yeah, he said that uh, Kerry needs to be. Uh, we we we've, we've saw what Kerry uh, can do when he's rested, and they they believe that they they need to provide him that rest. But uh, again, uh, how many how many times have they said that? Mm-hmm. How many times has that applied to uh, you know when they've gone out and brought uh, a new goaltender in and it uh, it just hasn't worked? Let's see, Miami. Kincaid, <laughs> Montoya, Montoya. I mean, it just hasn't been working so far. Um, maybe I don't know. You've got a decent backup right now. Why don't you just work with him? But hey, it's just my opinion. Another Molotov. Co- I don't know. Say it was a Molotov cocktail, but pretty uh, blunt assessment was when uh, someone asked Bergevin about his assessment of Max Domi's play. And it was just uh, basically ask Max. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and said that, you know, that Max, uh, uh, his uh, future is uncertain, um, that uh, the, they would be meeting over the next couple of weeks to talk about an ex, uh, the next contract. Max, uh, of course, is a RFA at the end of the this, this season. Now, one of the that that kind of leads us into our next uh, topic here. But one of the big omissions that uh, I kept making noise about during the playoffs was where's Ryan Paling? Dale Weiss was was on the roster way too long in both the qualifying and in the playoff series. Um, Alex Belzeal kept being brought back into the lineup, although he didn't contribute all that much. Um with particularly with Gallagher going out with injury, um, you know, I certainly I, I liked that Jake Evans got a look, but where was at least one game for Ryan Paling? Um, particularly in the series against the Flyers, where uh, you need someone that's got a bit of, bit of size, 
who can use his frame, um, but also can can handle the puck and and be skillful offensively. And we saw Ryan Paling not at all. Um, and now Rick, <laughs> Max Domi and Ryan Paling, of course, are the center of this, who knows what kind of controversy around Montreal. Drama. Drama. It's like high school. Because <gasps> apparently in the last 24 hours, both of them have removed any mention of the Montreal Canadiens from their social media bios. Now with Domi, who knows? It, it You know, being an RFA, um, uh, you saw as soon as he removed the the uh, Montreal mentions in his bio uh, for uh, Twitter and, and Instagram, uh, all of his, I mean, he's a well-liked player. He, he had a terrible playoff, had a terrible year, um, and uh, but he's well-liked. He's a fan favorite, so mm-hmm. all of his fans... Uh, right away, rushed to his aid, and and so is is uh, was he posturing? Was he using it as as a tactic to, um, uh, you know, in, in his negotiations, his agent in negotiations with the Canadians? Uh, who knows? That wouldn't explain uh, paling, um, or is there there more to it? Well, we're going to find out pretty soon, I think. The the thing that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mark Bergevin was asked uh, why didn't. Um, uh, Ryan Paling play, and he just simply said it was a coach's decision. You had, um, you know, there, I'm not telling secrets when when um, when I say that that Ryan Paling is not well liked by the Montreal media. Mm. Um, he's American for one, and uh, he holds strong religious beliefs, and and uh, uh, both publicly and privately, the Montreal media have not liked that. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, if somebody throws casually out there, well, he's out of shape kind of thing. Uh, and, and that seemed to have mushroomed. Um, now, th- th- you know, I've seen the quote uh, from, from Paling and said that uh, he had some injuries, he had a, 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 a rough season. So uh, did he go hard uh, training uh, in, in the pause? Maybe he didn't. Uh, but, um, you know, how does that compare to a Belzeal who hadn't played uh, any meaningful game since uh, since end, early, December. early December, yeah, right? because um, of injury, and and Dale Weiss, who uh, didn't look uh, very good in the games that he got into. Uh, so does that explain it? No, I don't think it does. Uh, but coach's decision, whatever, or organization's decision, whatever that means, uh, I think it was a real missed op- opportunity not getting Ryan Paling uh, in for some of that that experience that uh, the other young players got. Coupled with the fact that, okay, if you're talking about the second week in July and he shows up for training camp, maybe not in as, as good of shape as, say, Kakanyemi or one of those guys. But you're now talking a month into a bubble situation. At that point, it, you, you've you've eliminated that, oh, he's not in game shape anymore. He's been there training for a month. He's he's in game shape. And look at the way the fourth line was used. Five minutes. Uh, Dale Weiss played four uh, Belzeal played, you know, I, I think that Ryan Paling could muster. Uh, I, th- I think he'd be fine. Yeah, I think he'd be fine in, in a, in a four-minute uh, test. Uh, to add another, you know, uh, apparently not to be... Phil Deneau apparently saw, you know, Max Tomey and uh, Ryan Paling controversy and said, hold my beer, let me just 
toss some more fuel on the fire, uh, did a did an interview today uh, in French media, and um, when when posed with questions as far we all know, Phil Deneau did not perform the way Phil Deneau is billed to be able to perform in these in these playoffs, um, and when asked, you know, with the youngsters coming up and being offensively productive. Um, do you see yourself taking more of a defensive role in the organization? And Phil Deneau dug his heels in and said, listen, um, that's really not the role that I want here. I, I like p- playing offensively. And when pushed farther, they said, you know, well, the role that you are given in Montreal, will that play a factor in whether you want to stay? And he said, yeah. So, Rick, we've just got, I, I mean, it's been a hot minute since the playoffs were over for Montreal, and there's just drama everywhere. Unfortunately, this happens to um, you know homegrown players in Montreal. It seems to happen, um, and and where where uh, players need um, you know the the size of their helmet grows uh, mm-hmm. several several times uh, from the time they arrive. Phil Deneau uh, a year ago had a pretty good season. Um, and you know, there was talk that he finished sixth, eighth, whatever it was in the Selkie voting, uh, cause he had a good season defensively this season. He came in thinking, uh, that he had to produce. He had a bit better of a, an offensive season, probably, um, uh, you know, related much to, uh, uh the wingers that he hadn't, that he was getting first line minutes and that he was getting power play time. And, and, uh, he had his best uh, offensive output, and that was 13 goals. Um, your first line center has to have more than 13 goals um, going forward. And unfortunately, his, as even the French press said, uh, his uh, defensive uh, game uh, spiraled uh, downwards. Uh, he wasn't as good defensively this year. Uh, he was not very good on the penalty kill. His his uh, faceoff stats uh, plummeted, uh, certainly when they were shorthanded. And we saw in the playoffs, he wasn't very good on either end of the, the puck. Um, he, he had a very poor uh, uh, postseason. Um, and unfortunately, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's been quoted and has this, uh, this added. He talked about coming back. Uh, and playing in the bubble and said that would be inhumane. No, he didn't want any part of that. He's been quoted as saying he was a, he's offended when Carey Price gets um, uh, too much of the attention because um, he thinks it's more of a team, uh, you know, a team win. Um, and and then this one that uh, listen, if if I don't get to be an offensive star, uh, I may not want to come back, sort of thing. Um, it's it's. It's unfortunate. It's mm-hmm. really unfortunate. He talked about the great chemistry that he has with Tatar and, and Gallagher. Well, apparently that's not exclusive because uh, we saw as other centers were slotted in there that they had pretty ke- good chemistry too and mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe performed much better. It's clear from the playoffs that uh, Suzuki and Kakinemi are the top two centers and, and uh, structure them however you want. Probably Su- Suzuki one, Kakinemi two. But Phil Deneau better get used to uh, that third line center uh, role and and listen, um, you know Domi wasn't necessarily happy that he got bumped out of the center position and uh, uh, there's been all kinds of rumors that he's on his way out. So uh, I think uh, Phil Deneau better be careful what he wishes for. 
And those things can start happening much sooner rather than later uh, under this this different structure this year with the return to play. As soon as teams are no longer in the playoffs, they are open to making trades. And sure enough, uh, Pittsburgh and Toronto got started on that train today. It's 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 very odd to be in the middle of the playoffs and package deals are happening in the middle of the afternoon. Um, you know, today, Kasperi Kapanen and a slew of other things went to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gave up their, their first round draft pick again <laughs> for this year. Uh, and they, and they've already given up their 2021 draft first round pick. So they will not pick first round right now until 2022. Um, Rick, you mentioned before we went on the air today that Kyle Dubas said that uh, they're likely not done trading yet. Uh, and I do see that uh, James Myrtle uh, just recently also up, updated that by saying uh, on the first round pick that they just acquired from Pittsburgh, Dubas says, quote, we are open to moving it if the right deal came along for someone that could help us. What is What does that mean? That means that Kyle Dubas is is willing to be creative. Uh-huh. He's he's he said he's not. He's indicated he's not finished. He's willing to move that pick they just acquired, and actually put together a rather uh, creative uh, trade in order to alleviate some of their cap problems. We heard Chuck Fletcher use the word creative. We heard Mark Bergevin use the word careful. Um, it's um, and cautious. In, and cautious. In this new market, <laughs> it's going to be, uh, in this new environment, it's going to take creativity uh, to, to work through uh, issues and improve the team. Uh, lots of criticism out there for uh, Jim Rutherford saying that he paid too much. Uh, if he gets uh, again, this is a this isn't measuring what went in and what went out. This is what what does the lineup need? And and in um, Jim Rutherford's uh, estimation, they needed a, a Kapanen type player. He had already made a pitch for uh, Domi. We know that happened earlier in the year and uh, was told no by by. Um, Mark Bergevin, um, but now maybe Mark Bergevin is uh, is uh, given what's uh, transpired with Domi is uh, sorry that uh, he didn't make that move. And Rutherford has already been on the record in the last twenty four hours saying that he will likely move either Matt Murray or Tristan Jari. So there will be a goaltender likely on the move from Pittsburgh at some point here coming up soon. So uh, right now we're in the wait and see moment with the Montreal Canadiens. I think it's going to be um, quite a uh, <laughs> in uh, it's going to be an interesting off season. Let's just put it that way. And uh, the off season has already begun. We don't have to wait until the Stanley Cup is awarded. So uh, hold your breath, buckle in. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride, and and we'll see how the Canadians come out on the other side of it. Uh, right now, what we are going to do is take a quick commercial break. And on the other side of that, we are going to focus on the Philadelphia Flyers for just a bit. Uh, talk about uh, finishing out that series against the Canadians and how they, have, speaking of a, of a bumpy ride, their start to their round two series against the Islanders last night. In addition, we've got a great interview with Brian Prop coming up in the next uh, segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. 
Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And uh, we're glad you're back with us for segment two. We've got an exciting segment. We're going to recap a bit of the Flyers uh, play here. And then we've got a great interview with Brian Propp coming up, former NHL uh, star. So... You don't want to miss a bit of it. Uh, be sure you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report and at the Press Zone. We'd love to uh, hear from you there. So be sure you're following us there. Now, Rick, I know we mm. talked about the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Now we have to talk about the Flyers a little bit. Of course. And part of that has to talk about finishing off the Canadians. Um, I, I just as soon talk about last night's game if. If yeah, you don't mind. I, I do. <laughs> I'd like to postpone that as much as we can. Um, to be honest, it's um, game six, force, game five and game six was all about emotion, um, whether it was coming from Elaine Vigneault or whether it was coming from, from you know, Kakenyemi's hit on Sanheim that... I will admit should not have ended in an ejection from the game. And then you've got Matt Niskanen's play and taking out Gallagher and then gamesmanship the next day from the coaches again. And then we find out Gallagher has a broken jaw and then there's a suspension, but it's not long enough. And I mean, we could spend the whole hour just talking about the, the dumpster fire that was <laughs> the three days surrounding if, the end of that series. If you want to hear about that, go to the Canadians That's Connection right. podcast. Joe and I talked about that on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and we've, I think we've all been there, done that uh, w- with that enough. So going into that last game, game six, emotions were high for both teams. Uh, Montreal looking to as a hashtag rally for galley. Um, the Flyers were equally fired up because, you know, they didn't like the gamesmanship going on. They were looking to defend Niskanen and, and finally they, they hated that they lost the night before and didn't put the series away. So, um, Rick, I think, I think that game could have gone in either direction. There were highs and lows for both teams in that game. Um, but 
the Flyers just wore them down again. Um, and and I don't know. I, if it had gone to a Game 7, I still don't know how that would have turned out. But, um, you know, it was – the Flyers had a couple of – Game 2 and Game 5 were not good games for the Flyers, but each time they were able to regroup and find that, that tight-checking – hard just grind out slow play um and and wear the canadians out and that seems to be what happened again uh on saturday or yeah saturday friday friday i don't know what day. my days are all mixed up <laughs> i don't know what day is what well listen um yeah that that game I think the Canadians fans look at this and say, well, it could have went either way because there was times where the Canadians looked strong. But the the issue is uh, the Flyers won this in games three and four. And no, and, and I understand uh, the excitement around uh, Carter Hart. And, and um, given the goalie situation in Philadelphia over the last million years, yeah. why wouldn't you be excited about Carter Hart? That's and right. he has a high ceiling and great potential and all of that. But he's... He's still I, I, young. He's not there yet. He's still inconsistent. He's still, um, he doesn't have the confidence level. Uh, there's a lot, doesn't have the focus level. There's a lot of things going on. But it was games three and four that the Flyers won the series. And it was shutting down uh, the Canadians completely. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that Carey Price completely um, eliminated uh, the 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 Flyers forecheck game uh, just but with his play. Well, it was the Flyers uh, that that turned the tables and in games three and four uh, just shut down the neutral zone, which is what the Canadians need to generate the speed for uh, their offense. And um, the Flyers just took that away completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with all due respect to Carter Hart, Kirill Ustamenko could have been in the goal for games three and four, and the result would have been yeah. exactly the same. Nothing reached him. Um, yeah, it was he. He had uh, less than a handful of of high danger scoring chances in in game three, and and not many more in in game four. So, um, cre- credit the Flyers and 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 the system that they play, and uh, the way they are coached, and and the balance that they have for for being able to uh, shut down the, the Canadians in games three and four, and that that's what cemented their win. And, and let me just add that we saw that in other games and and um, and game game six was one where they were able to do that for a period and, and able to shut down the Canadians uh, for the third period. Now, you transfer that to a new series against the New York Islanders that play a very defensive. They're very strong defensively. Uh, Semyon Varlamov has been outstanding uh, so they've got, again, another goaltender, not Carey Price level, but they have another very solid goaltender. And they've got guys with a lot of skill up front. Um, and as we saw in last night's game one, uh, the Flyers got shut out. And the entire first period looked like the Flyers weren't even on the ice. Um, they were massively outshot, hemmed in their own zone the entire night. Um Second period, complete 180. They came out, they controlled the play, they controlled the puck, but they couldn't finish. They couldn't find any any finish at all. To They had chances, they had some looks, couldn't couldn't complete them. Um, and then things just kind of the, the, the heavens opened and it was just a, a, a downpour uh, for the Islanders. 
um, in in the third period. Elaine Vigneault trying to get creative, trying to stir something up, pulls Carter Hart with with more than seven and a half minutes left in the third period, down uh, three nothing, and within seconds of doing that, the Islanders rim the puck around and right into an empty net. It just nothing went the right way. But Rick, the things that the Flyers were successful in doing, both in the round robin and and against the Canadians. Are not are aren't going to be the things that they can depend on to win this series for them. And for me, the big glaring thing is that enough is enough. That top line of Couturier, Voracek, and Giroux has got to start contributing on the scoreboard. If if they even have if, if they're going to have a shot, their big guns have to start producing. Well, of course they did. They did next to nothing in um, in the series against Montreal. Uh, they did absolutely nothing in game one. They were uh, completely dominated uh, from start to finish. Uh, that line drew uh, Couturier and Voracek completely dominated by the counterparts in, on the Islanders. Uh, sure, uh, Barry Trotz has... Uh, you know, instituted this defensive uh, game, and 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 the Islanders are playing it to a, to a T. Uh, we saw some um, cracks in the in the second period where uh, the Flyers were able to put some pressure on, but it wasn't those uh, top end skilled guys. It wasn't the finishers on the top line that were were um, uh, giving the pushback for the Flyers. And those are the guys that need to do it. Also, if those guys are going, the power play is going to be a lot right. better and, and uh, special teams are going to be a difference in this series. Power play has got, I mean, they're what? Well, I don't even, I, this, the statistics are horrible for the power play at this point. Uh, that has got to wake up. And when a guy like Andy Green is getting the first, uh, no offense, Andy Green, but Andy Green shouldn't be the guy, first of all, getting on the scoreboard first last night and then had not one but two more really good chances that Carter Hart, to his credit, had a solid game last night and and was was pretty on point with tracking the puck. Um, so it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, Giroux was not happy last night after the game. Uh, he obviously frustrated with himself. Um, you know, there was JVR, I think has to come out of the press box. Um, he's, he's, he's got size. I think they need that right now. Uh, Nate Thompson, he's got a lot of heart, but he did not look good last night. I think he needs to come out of the lineup for at least a game. Um, you mentioned frustration. Who's more frustrated than Travis Konechny? He oh has, my goodness! He's been he really frustrated. Yeah. Well, uh, but but um, emotional. He's an emotional guy, and yeah. he's not reacting well uh, to the frustration. He's showing his frustration, and uh, the opposition in both Montreal and New York is using that against him and yeah. getting under his skin, and that's affecting his offensive game. Well, particularly when he had basically a wide open net last night, and Andy Green in his. 87th year on this planet does calisthenic acrobatics to, to take yeah, away his off lane. Off the back of the skate, that was amazing. It, it, you know, I can understand the frustration. Um, now, back-to-back games, afternoon game tomorrow, 3 o'clock, followed by a 7 o'clock game on Thursday. That's three games in four days. Then they get a day off, and they're back for, for game four on Saturday. So it's a lot of hockey this week. Um, both Elaine Vigneault and Barry Trotz acknowledged that they may have to look at rotating roster 
more than they have up to this point because of the compressed schedule and keeping guys healthy and fresh uh, because of because of the amount of hockey in so many hours. So we'll see uh, what Elaine Vigneault decides to do tomorrow. Like I said, I see JBR coming in. Gostaspierre might come out. Didn't look as good last night as he did in that game six against uh, the Canadians. So we'll see if he comes out as well. Um, and Elaine Vigneault t- did say today, uh, that tomorrow, though, that top line is going to get another shot to act like a top line. So, sounds like he's giving, he's got them on a short leash. If they if they don't produce tomorrow, I can expect that Thursday we're going to see some changes. And um, you know, pay attention to what happens with Carter Hart because um, I don't think he was very happy with his performance uh, last night. It wasn't it wasn't his fault necessarily. No. Uh, was there, um, you know, uh, uh, was it a sensational performance? Of course not. Was it uh, a goalie like back or two, maybe? But it was, it was those saves he was making, or the the Islanders misses, um, his positioning. Um, you know, the, the messages went back and forth uh, when we saw Carter Hart on his belly against uh, Brock Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, and was lucky that the puck ended up in his glove because uh, that would have made him look uh, not very uh, good on that. So, um, you know, in that back to back during the season, um, Vigneault was was reluctant to to uh, play Carter Hart. Now we saw him in a back to back in round one, mm-hmm. uh, but if his performance um, is uh, less than ideal uh, tomorrow, will will we see him in a in a back to back, or will it be Elliot? We don't know. Um, I, I think that Vigneault is leaving all options open, and I think to his credit, that's what he needs to do at this point to make sure his team continues to advance. Joining us now here on the Press Zone, I am very proud to say we have a one, another wonderful guest joining us joining us this week, and uh, can't believe that we have such a such a wonderful name with us today. Brian Prop, former NHLer, spent lots of seasons with the Philadelphia Flyers, and joins us today here on the Press Zone. Brian, thanks so much for joining us and being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. So I first and foremost, uh, we are we're we're now set for round two uh, of the Stanley Cup playoffs in this in this very odd return to play season here in 2020. Can you give us just briefly your reactions and how you felt uh, in watching the Flyers in their round one series against the Canadians and and your thoughts on on them? moving forward to round two and advancing to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in, in eight years? Well, first of all, they had to win the round robin, which might make it a little easier for them now playing <laughs> against the Islanders uh, because Boston and Ta- Tampa are playing against each other. So uh, they won three times, and so that got them set up to play the right teams. Uh, Montreal was really tough. Uh, but thankfully, the two goalies were really good, and Hart was unbelievable. Two shutouts, mm-hmm. and he carried the team to, to a win, a wins. Uh, so, uh, and a couple of the uh, veterans have to set it, uh, play a little better uh, <laughs> because uh, you can't if you don't score, it's tough to uh, win in the playoffs. That that's that's absolutely true, and and. You know, you mentioned that that of course now Boston and Tampa are playing each other, so that does just leave the Islanders. Uh, do you ex- do you expect this series to be uh, just as as kind of hard fought as this last one was? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, both teams are really fast, but uh, the Flyers, with their new coaching, uh, have experience. And the way that the, they're playing the team as a team, like with Hart and Elliott, you know, they have two good goalies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the young defense are playing really well. It's it's tough to play against them. They force all the time. They don't give them time. And, uh, you know, so like it might come down where they have to uh, score a power play goal to win a game. Mm. And uh, that makes a big difference. Uh, they, they struggled a couple times. Uh, this, you know, they had uh, three power play goals, one game but other than that they haven't uh, scored too many uh, so it might come down to that uh, where the, the the leaders have to find a way to play a, score a power play goal that could win a game uh, but uh, the Islanders and uh, the Flyers are you know it'll be a tough season uh, uh, time because they're both fast mm-hmm. and they're in your face and they have two good goalies Brian, before heading to Montreal, I lived in Winnipeg. And when I was there, they were still talking about that legendary 78-79 season, the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, winning the WHAL championship and and only five losses that whole season. And uh, former Winnipeg Jet, Laurie Boschman, had 149 points that year and was third in scoring because uh, you had you led the, the team in scoring 194 points. Uh, it, it was a, a remarkable season, and uh, you left there, you went to the Flyers, and your first season with the Flyers, you're in the Stanley Cup uh, final. So as a young player, you got to be thinking, hey, this hockey stuff is pretty easy. Uh, but of course it isn't. And now you're uh, an ambassador with the Flyers. Now you're at the home games. Now you talk to uh, the Flyers players, and especially young players, and, and you get across to them that message that stress to them that you got to enjoy every moment, you got to savor every moment because, uh, you know, you never know when it's going to come around. Well, that's, that's, that's true because like, like, uh, I'm very fortunate because I had a massive stroke almost five years ago. And so like, uh, I didn't know if I could ever talk or, or play hockey or golf again. And so it means a lot to me just to be, uh, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, ambassador for Bancroft too, brain injury people, but people never know when you're going to die. I mean, and there's, we've had a couple deaths, uh, like from the Flyers with Pally Lindbergh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, uh, affected a lot of other people. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you're still seeing uh, that people that are dying with alumni. And so you have to be, positive all the time and make sure that uh, you're not taking everything for granted of course everybody wants to win uh, but it's just a life uh, life is too short short and so you just have to make sure that you do the best of it so we're coming up to the labor day weekend and it was uh, five years ago today or five years ago that weekend that uh, uh, you had that stroke and uh, it, what I read was, uh, it took you a while to, uh, before you can say, you could say anything but Bernie Perrant. And, um, and it, it took you a while to relearn, uh, how to speak, how to walk. And, and can you talk about that, that journey, uh, and what you relied on for, uh, uh, support through that? Yeah, so I had uh, family and friends and the Flyers alumni 
uh, that really helped me a lot. Like, uh, you know, I, like at the start, as you said, like I couldn't talk. Uh, the only thing I could say was and and Bernie Pront. It just came to me. <laughs> uh, but I had speech therapist for a year and a half. And because wow. I couldn't talk, it took me like three months before I could even say anything. And so I'm very fortunate that I'm still talking as well as I am right now uh, because I have to slow it down a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. and and to my my balance wasn't affected, which means that I still can skate and wow. play play golf. Uh, my my right fingers and the right side don't work that well. So uh, you know I I play with a group of guys every Wednesday and Friday morning, and so uh, it's the invite only. Two goalies, five on five, uh, full equipment, and a couple subs. And so uh, I love it every time on the ice, uh, just because it reminds me of how fortunate I am. And playing golf, and uh, I I can't hit the ball as far anymore because my fingers and right side don't work that well. But I usually hit it straight. And when I play hockey, uh, the the two goalies I play against aren't as good. So I can still score. And do a <laughs> so there you it, go. It, it, it's fun, fun for me. Uh, I, I, I'm happy every day. I'm very fortunate that I'm, uh, you know, doing well and uh, working with uh, Wolf Commercial Real Estate and Bancroft and the Flyers and you know, I, and I just started my own Guffaw cigar brand. That's that's really wonderful, and and we're we're so glad that you've you've recovered so well. Uh, in addition, kind of going on, you said you know you're, you're thankful for the the Flyers alumni support and and the work that you do with the Flyers now and so forth. Um, before I ask you my next question, it just reminds me of something. Uh, Danny Briere was actually uh, a guest on on the show with us last week, and. Something you just said kind of made me think of something he said last week, and that was that one of the reasons that he really enjoys still being involved with the Flyers organization is that it's really a sense of family there and that once you're a Flyer, you're always a Flyer. Uh, do you do you have that same sense with the organization, and, and what has it really meant to have such a, a, a lifelong involvement with the organization? Yeah, well, it's it's good because Ed Snyder was a great leader and uh, – and he 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 loved the town the team and so and he helped us all the time and i've been here 41 years and uh, i'm still on the board of the flyers alumni with with danny and uh paul holmgren and brad marsh and todd Federick. and so i see them all the time and then we, we do charity events like we have a golf uh, thing set up for november and we had a you know a run and a walk and uh, things like that. So we keep giving back uh, as a, a, a family and a team. But the Flyers alumni, a lot of them still work with the team, and uh, I get to see them all the time. And plus, uh, you know, a couple of these guys uh, live in Haddonfield, where I am, like Timo Kimenin and uh, mm-hmm. and Hartnell, and so. It's it's they they want to live there after their careers are finished. Now um, we do have uh, it. We have an interest. It's it's funny. We just finished uh, watching a flyer series between the Flyers and the Canadians, and interestingly enough, the coverage that we do here on on this program and, and our team we cover the Flyers and the Canadians and so we have a we have a strong Montreal listenership as well so just to kind of uh, give them some connection um, can you give us just a, a brief uh, recollection of what it was like for you getting to play uh, I know different different teams but with Shane Churla and Scott Mellenby what was it like playing with those two guys 
Oh, well, it was it was great. I know Scott Mallaby, like he started in 85. And he, so he, he worked, I, I worked, lived with him and another friend at the house uh, when he got started. And then he uh, bought his own house. Uh, but he, you know, they, they learned from the best. Uh, at that time, I was six years in the league. And uh, Montreal was uh, was pretty strong at that time, too. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, people remember the the, the book ball that we had before the game but uh and uh, and when helios uh, hit me out uh, knocked me out uh, yeah. but uh that that was un- unfortunate that uh, he did that but uh you know i at least re- recovered from that and hextall kind of you know was a great leader just by you know beating him down beating him out uh, took was, care of uh, business yeah but you know it, it, it sent a message of how his leadership meant to me he, protecting his own players I and mean, that's what Montreal has been playing uh, really well and the, you know, they beat uh, Pittsburgh and a lot of people didn't forget that uh, you know know that they were going to do that and then they had a good series uh, with uh, with the Flyers and so it, it playoffs it's uh, tough because you have to you know every game means a lot. You touched on uh, the 80s with the Flyers, but uh, in 87, you got to be a part of, of a very historic uh, tournament, and that was the 87 Canada Cup. And, and uh, it must have been an a, a amazing uh, experience for you because uh, you were on the line for the most part with uh, Wayne Gretzky and uh, Mario Lemieux. Uh, but um, Mike Keenan likes to change things up and... Uh, at the end of Game 3, he sent Dale Howarchuk out in your place. Uh, three centers, and, and Howarchuk won that draw. Uh, and then going up the ice, it was it was Lemieux and Gretzky, and, and Howarchuk got a little tug on, on Beekoff to give... Uh, just a little. Just a little to give... Uh, <laughs> he did a bit of a spinorama and, and uh, gave Lemieux the, uh, the room for the, uh, the winning uh, goal. And you had played against Dale Howarchuk, but that was the first time you had a, a chance to play with him. Can you talk about the Canada Cup and, and just uh, a little bit about uh, uh, Dale Howarchuk? Yeah, at that, that, that year it was almost like playing in the Olympics uh, because at that time uh, the Russians weren't drafted. They'd have to defect if they had to play in the NHL. And so it wasn't until 1990 that they, they could be uh, able to get drafted in the NHL. And so they played every game uh, like the Olympics and, and, and tournaments. Uh, but they were really good. And uh, it was a three-game series, which a lot of people remember. It was one of the best uh, ever. Oh, yeah. You know, thankfully, we... Uh, we lost the first game and, and won the next two. But uh, playing with uh, Lemieux and Gretzky was special uh, because they're great leaders. But the, the, the players on the team were, were great players too. And Howarchuk uh, did uh, really well. Uh, he but uh, and a lot of these uh, players had to. Take a back seat and not be the star, uh, but played as a team. So that's why Sutter and Tockett and, and myself, we, we played and uh, we scored a, a goals in, in the third game. And uh, then we kind of came from behind. And But it was special for me to win because, you know, before that or after that, like I was in five Stanley Cup finals, haven't won and didn't win any, but it was nice to win in 87. And then for Team Canada, the Spangler Cup, 
in 80, 92. Uh, uh, they're, they're all special. And then the World Championships for Team Canada. So it, it means a lot uh, when you play for your, your country. But individually, like in the Stanley Cups, it's a little different because you have to play as a team. One of the things that uh, we wanted to to be sure to also, you actually have already mentioned this, but we wanted to give you a chance to talk about it a little further. You do a lot of charitable work, uh, particularly, as you've mentioned, with Bancroft brain injury. Um, so first, if you could give us, just tell us a little bit about that organization and initiative, but you also have your own brand of cigars, gafalcigars.com, and and you uh, a portion of the proceeds from, from each sale goes to, to Bancroft. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what Bancroft does, uh, and then a, a little bit more about your own special cigar? Yeah, so, so Bancroft has been around for 130 years. Uh, they have 3,000 employers. They have uh, three different uh, places that uh, people live in with uh, housing, and then they have uh, autism and brain injury and uh, and, a, and a couple like ADD. So it, it helps a lot of people that need the help. But uh, a lot of these people that I, I'm helping with had strokes and are rehabbing at there. And as I have too, so I've been working with them too to, to get a little better stretching and uh, occupational therapy, PT and occupational therapy. So, uh, but they do a great job. They're, they're really well known as uh, the best around uh, for what they've done. And uh, so like we just have our golf tournament September 25th coming out uh, at the Union League uh, at the shore. And then uh, they run, have uh, walks and runs. And we did a virtual uh, gala this year where we raised uh, almost 500000 for that. Wow. Uh, so, and then, uh, you know, with, uh, with Bancroft, uh, I, as I said, I give a percentage back every uh, box of cigars that I sell. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, as their ambassador, like I try to talk with other people that have strokes. You know, we're setting up mm-hmm. uh, talks every three months with people that have strokes and so that they can find out more about what they need help with and then go from there. And and also like, uh, you know, uh, my company, Wolf Commercial Real Estate, uh, Jason Wolf is is a new board member at Bancroft, uh, and uh, we've done a couple of uh, celebrity hockey events uh, four times, oh, nice. uh, where we have six charities that we help uh, support for the hockey that I do. I have uh, three former six former alumni, two teams split up with the goalies, and uh, we raised uh, last year. We raised eighty thousand for the hockey itself. And then uh, we have another golf tournament in September for, for Wolf. We raise another 40000 that and split up uh, the charities, uh, the six charities, uh, the money that we get. Wonderful. A couple of uh, episodes ago, we talked to former Canadians defenseman Mike Weaver, and we were talking to him about uh, transitioning from hockey uh, to after uh, hockey and, and how it's difficult for some players. It sounds like uh, you're doing it right. Um, you, uh, you know, uh, a boy from uh, small town Saskatchewan and and uh, a tremendous hockey career, and now you've transitioned uh, to a very successful after hockey career. And uh, um, what what advice do you have for those uh, hockey players who are are making that switch when their hockey career comes to to an end? Yeah, I think it's all about. Uh 
fighting uh, for what you want. A lot of uh, players uh, get re retired too soon, and so they don't know what they ha want to do, mm -hmm. and so they need the help. Uh, so as a mental uh, mentor, uh, I've been uh, talking with a couple of guys that have had struggled before, and so like I give them advice and say, hey, listen, there, there's a lot of things to to to, to do. You have to. Pick what you want and try to find the right fit. And, uh, you know, I know because I did the radio for nine years for the mm -hmm. Flyers. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I started the Medford Ice Rink for three years. And okay. then, then I went to the, you know, the, you know it was working with the Flyers. And then and then, then I worked at the Judge Group in Conshohocken for five years. And then, uh, you know, and now with Wolf. And, and I'll, But I've always been trying different things. Like uh, I would do some consulting, but, you know, I, I start businesses, you know, they, they, a lot of them fail, but, you know, that's okay. You that's all right. That. That's right. Uh, but, you know, and I'm just really happy the last month I just got started up with uh, Gaffar Cigars from the Dominican Republic. Uh, I do a, a, did a licensing agreement with Bevente Cigars. So that nice. way I don't have to worry about being a, a manufacturer of cigars. Okay. And we do everything online and uh, it's been going really well. Uh, my, for my 425 goals, it's uh, boxes of 10 for $140 uh, you know, a box and uh, you know which is which is fair and uh, and after that after I sell the 425 boxes then I'm going to move on to boxes of 25 uh, for about seven or eight uh, cigar which makes it more affordable but I wanted to be quality yeah. I didn't want something cheap and so that's why I did a deal with Pavente Cigars, uh, I knowing that they're going to be really good, and uh, that way I can keep ordering to the, from them. Wonderful. Well, if uh, if folks are interested in supporting supporting you there, whether it's that they're just looking for a good cigar or want to help a great cause like Bancroft, uh, they can go to guffalcigars.com or they can uh, actually you can also just head over to Brian Prop's website, which is brianprop.com, where you can uh, learn about the cigars and your events and, and things like that. Uh, but for us, from everyone here at Rocket Sports Media, uh, Brian, we really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, you've had a remarkable career. You certainly left a, a, a wonderful mark with Flyers fans in the city of Philadelphia and the, the tremendous work that you continue to do. So we thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. Thanks very much. And on that note, we are going to take one quick break. Uh, don't go away. After this commercial break, we'll be back with more right here on The Press Zone. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com 
The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back once again to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And once again, be sure you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report, at the Press Zone, and for you Flyers fans, at the Flyers Report. Make sure you're following us there as well because we'll continue our coverage of the Flyers throughout their playoff run. Uh, so you don't want to miss a minute of our live and post-game coverage uh, and recaps and so forth. So make sure you're following us at the Flyers Report there. Um, Rick, first and foremost, before we go any further in this segment, thank you once again to Brian Prop for joining us this week. What a what a remarkable conversation and just a, a just a charming guy. He, he is. And, um, you know, we're all over the map with uh, with our conversation because there was just so much to talk about. And there's still some other things that I'd I'd love to uh, ask him. And I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping he'll come back and we'll uh, we'll talk further with Brian. That was uh, that was really enjoyable. Absolutely. And uh, really nice to hear some some as you say, kind of went all over the spectrum with our conversation. And we will be sure to have him back again. Um be sure you go to our website, ahlreport.com. Uh, in the post for this week's podcast, uh, there will be a link to his website, brianprop.com. And from there, you can learn about uh, where he's making appearances, uh, charitable uh, events and so forth that he's that he's involved with, uh, as he spoke about. And of course, those fabulous Gafal's cigars. Uh, you can learn about all about that right there at his website at brianprop.com. There's a link for that in the post, so be sure to check that out there. Um, one thing he did talk about briefly, Rick, uh, that 87 Canada Cup run, uh, he played on that team with Dale Howarchuk. Um, and, and part of the reason, of course, that was such a memorable uh, event and, and series and so forth, of course, you want to get his reaction to, to being a part of that. But also, um, unfortunately, due to the fact that we lost Dale Howarchuk in this past week, uh, and so uh, wanted to to pay a bit of a tribute to him. And I and it's um, you know, cancer is cancer is an awful thing. I think everyone can agree on that. Um, no matter what age a family member or a loved one is is taken by cancer, it's always too soon. Uh, and Dale Howarchuk is one of those. Um, just wanted to to get some of your thoughts on Dale 
and his legacy to this game? Well, listen, um, I, I think everybody uh, um, who who encountered him talks about him as as uh, quiet, as as gentle, as as humble, as a gentleman, as kind. Um, you know, and 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 you saw even through his his fight with cancer, uh, his concern was helping others who uh, were going through uh, something similar. And uh, after he rang that bell, he made it known. That, you know, he he encouraged people to call him. Um, but it it, it shouldn't. Um, we shouldn't forget that he was incredibly uh, competitive as as uh, all superstar and and there's no question he was a superstar you know as as many have said if not for Wayne Gretzky uh during that same period of time we would be talking more about uh Dale Howard Chuck yeah um cuz he was just uh that good that dominating and uh cha- franchise changing a generational player for the the Winnipeg Jets and and the turnaround when uh um, Dale Howardcheck arrived was uh, at the time the greatest point uh, change from one season to the next. Uh, so um, you know, I remember games at uh, at that small Winnipeg arena when uh, Dale Howardcheck's performance was just electrifying. I remember him, um, you know, uh, being inspirational and a leader for his team. Um, and then you know he he did that in. In uh, in Cornwall, um, in junior hockey in Winnipeg, uh, on to Buffalo, and and even a, a season in in uh, Philadelphia where they went to the Cup final, uh, and and then again in Barrie where um, you know he touched the lives of of so many young players uh, and helped them, including Mark Shifley, uh, get to the to the NHL. Um, but he's, you know, his legacy is going to be felt in, in certainly all of those, uh, in all of those cities and, and through his, his foundation, his, his charity fundraising, um, uh, which was a golf tournament held in both Winnipeg and Muskoka, uh, near Barrie. So, um, it was, uh, he, he had a, a, an effect on so many lives and, uh, is going to be, um, extremely missed, uh, by the hockey community and uh, also by his his uh, wife and children. Absolutely, the outpouring uh, even on social media from uh, former players and uh, media folks and fans and just you name it from around the hockey world, uh, the outpouring of of emotion and memories and and just such uplifting things to say. That Dale Howarchuk, one of those names that you don't hear anybody have anything but good things to say about him, uh, both on and off the ice. And so uh, absolutely, he will be missed. Just want to take care of a couple of uh, news pieces of housekeeping. Uh, Flyers prospect German Rupsoff uh, joins the list of prospects being loaned over uh, seas to begin this next season. He's been loaned to Sochi in the KHL. So that's where he'll get things started next season until it's uh, a little more clear as to what's to happen for the AHL uh, for the 2021 season. Um, in addition to that, uh, there, you know, things that the business side of the AHL does keep moving along. 
Uh, and that means that two head coaching vacancies in the American League have been filled in recent weeks. The first, of course, was for the Ontario Reign, that is the LA Kings AHL affiliate. Uh, their head coaching position has been filled by John Robluski. Uh, he's 39, had uh, four, has spent the last four seasons with USA Hockey's national team uh, development program. He coached the U17 national team for two years and the U18 national team for two years. Uh, so, you know, we talk quite often about how many graduates, not just players, but coaches and staff and even media folks come out of the USA hockey program. And there is a perfect example of that. Yet another one uh, on the East, uh, the Rochester Americans, of course, we all remember a few weeks ago, Joe, your, our friend Joe Yurden was on the show to talk about the, the complete house cleaning that happened for the Buffalo Sabres organization. Part of that. Uh, was the coaching staff for the Rochester Americans leaving a vacancy there. Uh, so the Sabres announced recently that they've appointed Seth Appert as head coach of the Rochester Americans. Interestingly enough, where has he spent the last three years as a head coach? Uh, within USA Hockey's national team development program. Two with the under-18 team and one with the under-17 team. Uh, in in the 17-18 season, Appert guided the U- U18 team to a gold medal at the Five Nations Tournament and finished with the best record in the Eastern Conference of the United States Hockey League, the USHL. Um, So there you have two head coaches in the AHL, both graduating from the USA Hockey uh, and TDP. Uh, So pretty significant. uh, We've said it before. We'll say it again. Keep your eye on Everyone involved uh, in USA Hockey, they they really do um, train and get and get people at all levels and aspects of the game ready for those next steps. Uh, Rick, the other uh, piece of news that we want to talk about is a new NHL contract that has been signed. It's a one-year, two-way contract signed uh, by the Washington Capitals for none other than Zach Fukali. Uh, Zach Fucali, who spent most of last season uh, with the Orlando Solar Bears in the ECHL, uh, appeared in one AHL game with the Syracuse Crunch, uh, interestingly enough, against Laval, <laughs> um, but ended, I think, I believe ended the year over in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Zach has had... Zach has, is is an example of a young player, a young goaltender who who has had his share of ups and downs uh, from coming out on such a high note out of junior and then had a rocky start the first couple of years, you know, was, was highly regarded uh, to begin his AHL pro career and then has gone back and forth between teams and leagues and AHL time, ECHL time. Um, but he has persevered and the payoff for all of that is that the Capitals have signed him to a two uh, a one-year two-way NHL contract for next season. And uh, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> so last year, most of the season uh, with Orlando, although he uh, did get a release uh, from his AHL contract uh, to go uh, to, to Munich. Um, but... Um, you know the the interesting part of this is that it is not an AHL contract. It is, it is uh, he has signed with the the Washington Capitals, and I think that's probably because Washington's situation is in in flux, and and 
Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Holtby um, and, uh, and how all of that shuffling will uh, then play off, uh, play out. Uh, whether, um, you know, Samsonov then becomes the, uh, the starter for the Capitals. The Capitals got a lot of things, uh, a lot of balls up in the oh, air yeah. um, uh, with uh, looking for a, a new head coach as well. Um, so there's uh, Vitek Vanacek that's, that's looking uh, to be promoted from Hershey. Uh, there's Phoenix Copley already uh, in Hershey. Uh, does Zach start with Hershey? Or, um, you know, will, will he uh, play for the South Carolina Stingrays, uh, the Capitals' uh, ECHL affiliate? Zach Fish, our dear friend Zach Fish, uh, tweeted that this is uh, depth and net added to the Caps organization with the signing of Fukali. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's a wait-and-see kind of thing, but uh, what, however it turns out, uh, that's great news for uh, Zach Fucali. Remember his second his second round pick of the the Montreal Canadiens. Now, twenty five years old and and uh, is playing a much mature game than uh, when he when we first got our eyes on him. Absolutely. So, kind of a where are they now for our Montreal Canadiens uh, listeners who will remember him from from his prospect days, and a name to watch out for for our Flyers and Phantoms listeners because if he does end up in the AHL, he'll be playing for the Hershey Bears, and we certainly know how many times the Phantoms we might be facing off against Zach in net. Uh, we will have Zach on in in uh, in a future episode. We actually spoke with him uh, not long after this signing announcement was made, and he's excited to come back onto the podcast and, and talk about this new signing and some other things he has going on. So that's something to look forward to uh, in coming weeks. Last but not least, we can't leave without a... Well, before we get to the feel-good finale, I, sh- I guess, Rick, we should remind everyone, uh, you mentioned if if you want to catch up on the Canadians' uh, connection, kind of end-of-season uh, breakdown of things for the Canadians, uh, be sure to to catch the last episode, uh, the, the most recent, I shouldn't say last episode because it's not the last episode, but the most recent episode of uh, Canadians Connection. So in addition to going back and finding perhaps people missed our uh, podcasts with recently with Mike Weaver and with Danny Briere and, and those kinds of guys, where should folks go to to find all of our podcasts here at Rocket Sports Radio? RocketSportsRadio.com com has uh complete archives of uh all of all the the shows if you're looking just for this show um thepresszone.com thepresszone.com is uh is a, a an archive for these shows um but i think it's an important point that uh, we're not going anywhere uh, neither show uh whether it's the press zone or canadians connection um, we're here uh, every week and uh, we'll be bringing you all the news of the action that's going on on the ice as well as as some of the off-season business that's, uh, and rumors and, and drama that are, are taking place. So be sure that, uh, that you are, are finding us on, uh, on your favorite podcast platform, subscribing, and, um, and also looking for us on social media and interacting uh, with us there. Absolutely. And again, those uh, on Twitter, be sure you're following at the AHL report, at the Flyers report, and at the Press Zone. Those are the places that you want to go. Now, last but not least, we have a very special feel-good finale today. Um, This one hits a little close to home for all of us here at Rocket Sports Media because our family is growing here at Rocket Sports. Um, 
Mike Rashel is a, in fact, he has a, um, I don't know where he finds the time for all of these all of these things as a, as a dairy farmer and everything he has going on, but has a, has a great uh, kind of end of end of the season uh, opinion article on allhabs.net that uh, you should go take a look at. But Mike Rashel, uh and his wife, Brandy, welcomed twins into the world this week. Uh, and so uh, big congratulations. Nothing feels better in, in particularly in 2020 than uh, happy news of two beautiful, healthy babies and mom is doing well uh, as well. It wasn't, I don't, you know, it was a, it was quite a process. Uh, twins are, are never easy, um, but Colby and Haley have joined, have joined the world. And uh, Rick, I, I would imagine their invitation to join RSM is, is coming very soon. <laughs> they are welcome to uh, air their um, opinions of, and, and grievances. And uh, <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned about the article and, and do go to allhabs.net, allhabs.net to find Mike, Mike's uh, most recent uh, post and uh, submitted a day before he and, and, uh, and his wife Brandy headed to the hospital uh, for and they the already have a little guy, and they have Easton, yeah. uh, who's uh, with the grandparents right now, and so uh, Easton is a proud brother um, of uh, the two new ones that uh, will jo- be joining the household, Haley and Colby. Well, from all of us here at Rocket Sports Media and the hockey community in general, congratulations, uh, Mike and Brandy and Easton, on the new additions to your family. Uh, the pictures are great, uh, you know. You just, you love the baby pictures and they're just so cute. So congratulations and uh, we're happy. Just wonderful news and a great way uh, to uh, to sign things off today. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, remember, we aren't going anywhere, Canadians fans. As you know, news is happening uh, every single day. So be sure you come back again next week to find out everything that's been going on uh, this this upcoming week with the Canadians. And of course, Flyers fans, well, your team is still in this. So we'll be back uh, next Tuesday with another great episode of The Press Zone here at Rocket Sports Radio. Have fun, stay safe, and uh, enjoy the hockey. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.